Well, take your Bible and turn to the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews. We will be going to the book of Isaiah in just a little bit, but first of all, the book of Hebrews. Hebrews in chapter 1. There's things in this world, everything that you see with your naked eye is going to pass away. And um, these things are going to wax old. The Bible says they wax old. I, uh, I made the mistake of showing some of the teenagers or some of the young college kids um, some of the pictures. I was trying to clean out one room because we're going to have it uh, to use for something. And I found some old pictures of uh, ranch uh, back in 1969 and 1970. And I show it to them. And first thing that they look at it when they see that thing, it says, hey, you had hair. <laughs> yes, I had hair. But we're waxing old. And, uh, and, and, and some of y'all that are young right now, you will too. But there's some things that doesn't age. And God says, God remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ stays the same. Look there in Hebrews chapter 1 now and notice this. And it says there in verse 10, And thou, Lord, in the beginning hath laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. This refutes evolution. They shall perish. The earth will perish. Notice what he says. He says in verse 10, The works of thy hand, verse 11, They shall perish, but thou remainest, and they all shall wax old as doth a garment. And it doesn't matter how long you live. It doesn't matter how well you live. It doesn't matter how healthy you are. Sooner or later, we're all going to get old and die. Nobody wants to get old. We all wish we could just stay young looking, but it's just not the facts of life. God says the world is waxing old. Even the heavens is getting old. Everything's getting old but God. And he is forever. Look what he says here now. In verse 11, They all shall wax old as doth a garment, and as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, they shall be changed. But thou... Thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. So the Lord is not going to get old. The years won't fail. He stays the same forever and ever and ever. And the Lord says that he's going to do us. He has some ministering spirits, angels, guardian angels. Every one of us in this room have guardian angels, angels who watch after us. And it says these are ministering spirits, for those in the last part of verse 14 who shall be heirs of salvation. So we know we have eternal life. We're going to be with the Lord in heaven. We have angels that watch after us. We have guardian angels. How do you like that? You are somebody special. If the Lord didn't protect you, Satan would kill every last one of us. But God is the one who spares our life. He can allow us to be taken home whenever he chooses. But we are in the hands of the Lord to know that, to believe that. Now take your Bible and turn to the book of Matthew chapter 4. And the Lord says this here in chapter 4. He makes a statement in verse 12. Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum which is upon the seacoast in the borders of Zebulon and Nephilim, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. Now in just a moment, we're going to go to the book of Isaiah the prophet and see something that is said there. 
If you were just to sit down and read the book of Isaiah, you may not see this. But because you know that it is a fulfillment of a scripture, and it's quoted here, when you go back to Isaiah, then you can look at the context in which you find it, and you'll find some other truths that you would not have seen had you not known that it was a prophecy concerning Christ. So he says there in verse 15, The land of Zebulon and the land of Nephilim, by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness saw great light. Now, we're talking here in the book of Matthew about when Jesus Christ came on the scene. That people sat in darkness and people saw a great light. You see, Jesus Christ was the light of the world. And that people are in darkness without Christ. There's something about the gospel that illuminates a person's mind. The only way they can know anything about God is through the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. It's how that you can know the truth about who you are, where you came from, what you're doing, where you're going, and how you can have eternal life. So it's important. Look in verse 16 again. The people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. Talking about Jesus Christ is coming into the world and the world is dark and God sends this light into this dark world and he is the only light he says I am the light of the world and when Christ left he says ye are the light of the world so all the people who trust Christ as Savior are like little light bulbs and we are the light for the world to see God and that's why it's so important as the scripture says in Matthew let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We often sing that song, uh, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it what? I'm going to let it shine. Letting it shine means I'm going to tell people about Christ and what he did for me. Now take your Bible and turn back to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 42. There's a multitude of verses in here that I wish I had the time to cover from chapter 42 to chapter 52. But I do want you to see this because there's many references to Jesus Christ in these scriptures. Our desire should be is to be more about what God wants us to be than anything else in the world. There's a lot of people that do not know Christ and we should be willing to tell them. Uh, look there first of all in Isaiah chapter 41. Look in verse 27. If you don't have verse 27 underlined, I would recommend you underline this verse. Because it's in verse 27. The first shall say to Zion, Behold, behold them, and I will give to Jerusalem one that bringeth good tidings. This one that's going to bring these good tidings is a reference toward Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is going to come. Now, chapter 42. God refers to Jesus Christ as a prophecy in the Old Testament. Remember now, this is written over 700 years before Jesus Christ ever came. So God is telling that I have a son, I have a servant. When my son comes, my servant, my righteous branch, when he gets here, this is the way he's going to be. So it's all talking about Jesus Christ before he ever came. Now he tells us when he's going to be born, how he's going to be born, where he's going to be born in Bethlehem, Ephrata, and how he's going to be rejected in Isaiah 53, and what the people are going to do to him, what he's going to do. All these things are written hundreds and hundreds of years before Christ ever came into the world. Look what it says in verse 1 of chapter 42. 
Behold my servant, which is a reference toward Christ, whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentile. Now, this is talking about Jesus Christ when he comes into the world. You see, God the Father is bragging upon his son. He says, now of all the people in all the world, and he uses the word fellows, he says, there's nobody like my son. Nobody's like this one. This one's different. See, he didn't have a sinful nature. He did nothing wrong. He did everything to please his father. He did everything that was right. He hated sin. Nobody like this man. So God, the father, brags upon his son. He says here in verse 3, things about him. A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. Look in verse 5. Thus saith God the Lord, He that created the heavens, stretched them out. He that spread forth the earth, and that which cometh out of it. He that giveth bread unto the people upon it, and spirit to them that walk therein. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness, when he says, I, the Lord, have called thee. In other words, I'm talking about, I have called my son. Another scripture says, I called my son out of Egypt. But I've called my son, and I have something that I want my son to do. And then he tells how his son is going to be treated and all. But notice what he says there in the last part of verse 6. He says, and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people. for a." And you ought to underline this. A light to the Gentiles. This is a reference also mentioned in the book of Matthew in chapter 4. Verse 7, to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, and them that sit in what? Darkness out of the prison house. This is a reference to Jesus Christ. Because when you go over there to the book of uh, Matthew and you read these scriptures, it says this is that which was prophesied by the prophet Isaiah. This is being fulfilled which said and talked about, I saw the people that sat in darkness. And behold, a great light, which is a reference toward Jesus Christ. So we know these verses here are talking about Jesus Christ when he comes into the world. And he says there in verse 8, I am the Lord. This is my name. My glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to another graven image. So he goes in here and he talks about Jesus Christ who is going to be able to heal those that are deaf, those that are dumb. Look what he says in verse 18. Hear ye deaf, look ye blind, that ye may see. Who is blind but my servant, or deaf as my messenger that I send? In other words, there's people in the world that are deaf and dumb and blind, cannot see, and God says, I'm going to do a work that you will not believe. He goes on chapter 3 and he talks about how that he has took Israel, Israel, Jacob, and he says, I formed thee, I created thee, and I made you into a nation. And he goes on through and he says everything that he has done for his people. And you can take Israel and set it aside and go back and refer every bit of it to his son, the Jesus Christ, his son. And he did all of this for his son and through his son. And uh, it's an awesome thing. Look at in verse 4 of chapter 43. Verse 3 tells you that he's talking about the Holy One of Israel. Not God the Father, but the one that's going to be born, the Savior. It's referring to Christ. Verse 4, since thou wast precious in my sight. Remember, he looks over the banister of heaven and says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Christ was precious in the eyes of the Father. Nobody like this Son. And he says, now, if you do this for me, I am going to do something for you. Now, when you read the second Psalm, and it makes the statement, I will give thee the inheritance 
the heathen for thy inheritance. In other words, that was a promise that God had made to the son. If you do this for me, I'm going to give you the heathen as an inheritance. So he says here in verse 4, since thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee, and people for thy what? You give me your life, and I'm going to give you people in return for it. You'll see the same thing mentioned when you study the book of Isaiah chapter 53. When he says, then he shall see his seed. There's going to be results on down the line. He is the kernel of corn that is planted into the ground that dies, and then more come from it. It's an awesome thing when you read the, the whole chapters and you read all this together. But anyway, he says there in chapter 44, look at verse 6. Isaiah chapter 44, verse 6. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, I am the last. Beside me there is no God. There is no other God beside Jesus Christ. Down in verse 8, the last part of it says, Is there a God beside me? I know no God. I don't know of any other God. There's nobody but me. Now, Turn on over there to Isaiah chapter 45. In chapter 45, he talks about how in verse 11, Thus saith the Lord, L-O-R-D, the Holy One of Israel and His Maker. So we're talking about that God is the one who gave His Son. Uh, Mary prepared the child, the flesh. But the Son was given, Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. He said in verse 12, I have made the earth, created man upon it. I, even my hands, have stretched out the heavens, and all the hosts have I commanded. He said, I have done all these wonderful, wonderful things. So he tells the people, he says, seek me, command you me, and behold what I will do and show you and all these things. Look in verse 22. It's a reference toward Christ coming, making a payment for sin, and being a light to the people that are in darkness. In verse 22, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, there is none else, there is no other God. And he also makes a statement in the book of Philippians in chapter 2, when he makes a statement, he says, And he was highly exalted and given a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Well, that's mentioned right there, see, in verse 23. See, in verse 23, I have sworn by myself, the word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return. They that unto me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. Uh, this is what it's talking about. You wouldn't know these verses are referring to Jesus Christ. But when you go to the New Testament and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it says this is referring to that. This is referring to that. This is referring to that. So when you go back and you read, it's a good night. There's a picture of Jesus Christ on all these pages. This tells you about this guy. And of what God thinks about his son. This is awesome stuff. And this is the attitude that you and I ought to have about Jesus Christ. Look what he says in verse 9 of chapter 46. Remember the former things of old, for I am God. There is none else. I am God. There is none else like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times of things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. In other words, I'm going to do all the things that I want to do. And he said, I foretold all these things in advance. And the reason was because he says, I think I want you to see this. Uh, look at it right quickly in chapter 48 and verse 3. He said, I declare the former things from the beginning. They went forth, and it happened. Suddenly, just like I said it would. He says, because thou art hard-headed and thy neck is an iron sinew. See what it says in verse 3? 
I have declared the former things from the beginning. They went forth out of my mouth. I showed them. I did them subtly. They came to pass. Because I knew that thou art obstinate, and thy neck is an iron sinew, and thy brow brass. He said, I have declared from the very beginning, before it ever happens, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. So you have a record in the Word of God of things that are going to take place before it ever happens. That's why the Old Testament was written. That's why there's hundreds of years in between these things, so that no man can make it happen. And God hit everything just right on schedule. Everything's right. And Jesus Christ came the first time just like he said, and he's going to come back again just like he said he would. Look there in chapter 48, look in verse uh, 16. Look at verse 16. Verse 16 says, Come ye near unto me, hear ye this, I have not spoken in secret from the beginning, from the time that it was, there am I. And now the Lord God, one, and his Spirit, two, hath sent me, three. God the Father and God the Holy Spirit sent the third person of the Trinity. It's awesome. Read it. It's right there. There's the Trinity right there in that one verse. And God brags upon his son and all that his son has done and what's going to take place. And he says in verse 3, he's talk, uh, verse 2 calls him a polished shaft. And, other, and in verse 3 talks about he is my servant in whom I will be glorified. And down in verse 5 he talks about him being the servant. Down in verse 6 he talks about him being a servant. But look in verse 6. I want you to see this in chapter 49. And he said, It is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel, I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles. You think it's talking about somebody else? No, it's talking about Jesus Christ. I will give him to be a light that thou mayest be my salvation unto the ends of the earth. This is a reference to Jesus Christ. Thus saith the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, Christ, to whom man despises, to him whom the nations abhor, and the people of the world despise the very one that God is so pleased with. But this is a reference to Jesus Christ. Turn your page. <laughs> if you got an old Scofield reference Bible. Chapter 50 talks about the humiliation that's going to happen to Jesus Christ. It says in the first one, he says, Thus saith the Lord, he says, Where is the bill of your mother's divorce, whom I put away? In other words, like here's God the Father, and God took Israel, and she is the wife. She's the woman. So God had a wife, and the wife is Israel. But because Israel went a whoring after other gods and didn't become obedient unto her own husband, so God gave her a, a writing of divorcement. God divorced his wife. But if that happens, then God can't go marry somebody else. God has to wait. So the Bible says that God the father and the wife, well, they had a son. And who is this son? Jesus Christ. God used Israel, the wife, to have a son and brought him into the world. But the wife rejected her son, wanted nothing to do with her son, turned against her own child, rejected her child. But God the Father loved his son. And Israel, the wife, rejected the son. So the Bible says now God is looking for a wife for his son. Well, where's he going to find a wife? Well, Israel didn't want to. So God began among the Gentiles. And as the story is told, every individual believing Gentile all over the world that believes on Christ and trusts him as Savior, they will form the bride of Christ, the bride for Christ. So God is calling out from among the world believers as a bride for his son.
Now this is the story that's told in the Old Testament and it's going to happen just like God said. But you see, when he gave this bill of divorcement and here's the nation of Israel who needs to be redeemed, when Jesus came, says, was there no man? Isn't there anybody else that can redeem you? Anybody else can, can pay for the sin? Because you see, they had to have a redeemer. You read the story of Ruth about Boaz and about the kinsman redeemer. Somebody that would be willing to, to pay the price. And when Christ came, was there anybody else that's willing to redeem you? Who else is willing to redeem the human race? Nobody. Nobody could. Nobody had the price. So God says, my son will do it. My son is willing to give his life and to redeem. That's why as you read down through these scriptures, it's talking about being a redeemer. And how he says, my son is not going to be rebellious. Look down there in verse 5. Look in verse 5. The Lord God hath opened mine ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. Now this is a reference to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came to where he says, my ear hath thou opened. You say, what do you mean by that? We see, when a person became a voluntary love slave of God, it was like having their ear burned through with a big old hole because in the days of Israel, when they had a servant or a slave and that person had served their time and was free to leave, if they chose voluntarily to be a bond slave of the master because they liked the way they were being treated, they wanted to do that, they could voluntarily be a slave for the rest of their life. And they would take him and put uh, up against a post and they would take a hot iron and they would bore a hole through their ear and they would open up their ear. And he said, my ear hast thou opened because I chose to be a voluntary love slave of God, my heavenly father. I was not rebellious. I was not disobedient. And God could use me and look in verse 6. And I gave my back to the smiters my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. You think this is talking about Isaiah? Think it might be talking about Daniel? Think it's talking about Lot? Job? Who do you think it's talking about? It's all talking about Jesus Christ. This is Jesus Christ. And look what he says there in verse, verse 9. Behold, the Lord God will help me. Who is he that shall condemn me? Lo, they all shall wax old as a garment. The moth shall eat them up. Talking about people. What's it talking about here? They old, all shall wax old as a garment. Didn't we read that somewhere else? Didn't we just read that in the book of Hebrews in chapter 1? Mm-hmm. It was God who made the worlds. And it talks about they're all going to wax old as a garment. And the people, but my son, he stays the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never ages. And when you are born of the Son of God, what he had in his genes, he gave to you. Same identical DNA. All born from the same incorruptible seed, the Word of God itself. It's awesome when you start thinking about these things the way God puts it down here into his Word. It is awesome. Look down now in verse 5. Look in verse 5 of chapter 51. Verse 51. Chapter 51, verse 5. My righteousness is near. In other words, it's only 700 years away. My son is coming. Jesus Christ is the righteousness of God. He says, my righteousness is near. My salvation is gone forth. Mine arm shall judge the people. The isles, Gentiles, shall wait upon me. And on mine arm shall they what? 
You read chapter 52 and 53, it talks about his arm, and my holy arm is revealed. It's talking about Jesus Christ, the power of God. And you notice what it says. This thing is awesome. Look in verse 6. Lift up your eyes to the heavens. Look upon the earth beneath. For the heavens shall vanish away like smoke. The earth shall wax old like a garment. They shall dwell therein, shall die in like manner. I don't care how long you live, you're all going to die. We're all going to die. Everybody born going to die. The world is going to come to chaos one of these days. God says he's going to have it all burned up. That time is coming. But notice something he says here that's awesome. But my salvation, something that will not die, my salvation, that will not wax old, my salvation shall be for how long? My salvation is for ever. When you trust Christ as your Savior, how long is your salvation good for? It is eternal Security, eternal salvation. There is no other. Look what else he says. My righteousness shall not be abolished. What God gave you, he will never take it away from you. When I trusted Christ as my Savior in 1960, I became a child of God. He gave me everlasting life. It will never be taken away from me. It can never be abolished. Never can be altered. In other words, my salvation cannot be changed or altered by me or God. I've got his word on that. Look what he says in verse 8. For the moth shall eat them up like a garment. The worm shall eat them like wool. But my righteousness shall be, and you ought to unline that word, for forever. My salvation from generation to generation. It's always in season. Anybody can be saved all over the world. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. He says, this is the light to them who sit in darkness. I know I have eternal light. That knowledge, that's light. That truth, that's light. And a lot of people don't know the truth. They don't know Christ as their Savior. They don't know they have eternal life. They don't know where they're going when they die. And you and I that know this, this is the greatest news in all the world. Uh, let me just close with you saying this. Look what he says there in verse 3 of chapter 52. He said in verse 52, For thus saith the Lord, Ye have sold yourselves for none, and ye shall be redeemed without what? Without money. You can be redeemed without money. That means you can't buy it. You can be redeemed. That means to be bought back from the slave market of sin. Even though you've done all these bad things, you deserve to go to hell. What can you use to pay for all these sins without you having to pay it? And that's a death payment. It'd be done without money. And when you look over there in chapter 55, I just got to show you this. In chapter 55, look what it says in verse 1. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money, without price. In other words, God says, I've got something for the whole world. They that sit in darkness shall see a great light, a great truth they've never seen, never understood before. Won't cost you anything. It's totally free. And you read Isaiah 53, and you have there the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. All this is about him.